Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, our purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for his sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. I'm Dr. Mike Cunningham, and I'm so glad you could join me for today's program. Today, we continue in our series in the book of Ecclesiastes. We've been going through this important book, which expresses the humanistic here and now worldview, because we see the world through the eyes of King Solomon, someone whose intellectual capacities dwarf our own, whose power at his time was unparalleled, and whose wealth had no peer. He is the idealized version of everything we would ever want in this life. And yet his most common catchphrase in this book is vanity, futility, and we see his disillusionment with selfish pursuits. And we've been going through this book. We're going to be picking up in chapter five today. But in previous chapters, we have talked about the vanity of life. We've talked about him giving a macro view of a lifetime in chapter three. Last week, he talked about the need for companionship and biblical community. He talked about the cord of three strands is not easily broken. And our need for each other is very important. And I thought that was a great chapter to lead into today's discussion because just the same way that those three strands represent our need for friendships, specifically Christian friendships and biblical community, in the beginning of chapter five, we're going to have a rare respite from kind of some depressing conversations and disillusionment and see worship in the middle of this book, how last week's command and call to experience community in terms of interpersonal relationships. Today, I want to turn our attention to corporate worship, local church bodies, and also just our devotion to God, which in our culture can be very casual and insufficient. So we're going to begin in chapter 5, verse 1. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they're doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few, for a dream comes with much busyness, and a fool's voice with many words. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear. I think it's fascinating that in this passage, so accurately and meaningfully describes our time. It talks about guarding our steps as we go into the house of God. Friend, how often are we reverent in our worship? Do we give God the respect that he is due? Do we come expecting something for ourselves or do we come to pay homage and respect for all that God has done for us. When you think of the grace we've received, the forgiveness of sins, the justification, and the opportunity to follow God on the discipleship path, that is a very humbling thought. Christ paid a price that we could not pay for ourselves, and he did so freely. 
And I believe that when we go to worship, we should go there with a reverent heart and a sense of gratitude. And Solomon, even in thousands of years ago, picks up on the human condition. He talks about the sacrifice of fools, not being rash with our mouth and hasty in our word, and empty talk, empty motivations, empty promises. And he talks about when you vow to God, don't delay and don't miss out on all that God is doing in our life and the opportunities to worship, to grow, to sacrifice, to serve, to share our faith. These are often missed in the busyness of life. He says that let your mouth not lead you into sin. And as I pick up on this verse, I get the feeling of the distractions that we take into our church experiences, into our worship experiences, into our quiet times. How many times do we sit down with Scripture and there are so many things on our mind? The technology in our life is omnipresent and running 24-7. And many times we forget just to turn it off, to leave it alone, and we find our attention and our affections gravitate in many ways in that direction at the expense of our relationship with God. Therefore, it's important that we honor God with our lives and we come into a house of worship with the intention of giving God our focus. In the last part of verse 2, it says, Therefore let your words be few, for a dream comes with much busyness and a fool's voice with many words. When I apply this to my time in church, I think so many times we spend more time talking than we do listening. There's times in our worship that we need to be still and let God speak to us and transform us and change our hearts because so many times our affections and our attention are on everything else. They're self-centered, they're self-motivated, they're vain, they're narcissistic, and we can't seem to be quiet long enough to have an encounter with the creator of all things. Therefore, we have to remember that this life is bigger than us, and that's one of the things I really like about this book is that it puts our life in perspective, that when we are by ourselves, we are the center of the universe. The world revolves around us. But when you see a book like Ecclesiastes, and especially chapter 3, we get the view that God is working and sovereign, and our dreams and our thoughts and our fame are so minuscule in comparison to what God is doing. And therefore, we can miss it when we are busy being about ourselves and being distracted. And I thought that that conversation about too many words, doing all the talking and none of the listening, asking God over and over again to meet our expectations when we in turn should be more quiet and listen to how we can meet his expectations. Because, friend, that is when power begins to happen. That's when transformation begins to happen, where God is able to realign our values to things that matter as opposed to things that do not. I wanted to circle back and review this before we sign off today, because I think that there was some great wisdom put in this passage. Again, guard your steps when you go to the house of the Lord. Other translations say, walk prudently. All it means is to walk into church with a sense of intentionality, whether that is your quiet time with God or whether that is your corporate worship experience. If you are distracted or unintentional when you come in, you are going to miss the opportunity for God to work in your life. 
it goes on to say, draw near to listen that is better to offer the sacrifice of fools. And, and we have to understand that we have the great capacity to come into a worship experience and miss the entire point. So friends, today, those are the questions I have for you. Do you go to worship experiences with a sense of anticipation for what God is going to do in your life? Do you go to eagerly hear the word of God preached? Do you go with the expectation that God is going to work in your life and transform you and help you move into a position where you can not only give him the worship and praise that he is due, but also bring others and become an instrument where God can use you by equipping you and aligning your heart to his, to where you can walk into this world and make a difference? Or friend, are you someone who more identifies with the distracted person, the person whose heart is pulled in a lot of different directions, and the person who has made a lot of different empty promises to God through the years? Friend, if that is you, my hope is that you will repent and believe, you'll begin anew in your spiritual life, and that you will now attend your local church with a sense of awe and wonder and expectation and intentionality that's going to change and transform your life. Today, I have a few verses to help you in that faith journey. John 4, 21 through 24 says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And more importantly, Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The reason I like this particular verse is because every day we live in this world, there's a conforming that happens in our life. There's those influences that are so subtle, but they're there, and they always draw our heart and our affections away from God as happened to Solomon in this particular book. And we cannot renew our own mind, and we cannot transform our own self. That can only be done by God. The most common times that that happens is in our spiritual disciplines of prayer and fasting and scripture reading, and also in the corporate worship experience. What if I told you that the corporate worship experience is a weekly opportunity to transform your life to renew your mind, to transform your heart, to grow in your faith, and to change your life. Friend, those are not designed to be selfish and self-centered. They're designed to remind us of where we fit in this universe and also how we can glorify God in our life. And in so doing, God creates in us the ability to live lives of purpose and meaning and significance in a very temporal world. This book constantly talks about returning to dust, the brevity of life, the vanity. Friend, when we go into the house of worship, that is one of the few opportunities that we have to experience something that is transformative but is also permanent and eternal, and it gives us hope for the future it puts all of our experiences into the greater context of God's sovereignty and will and plan. Friends, we're living our lives stuck between Eden and heaven. We need those worship experiences to remind us that this life, though a blessing, is not all there is. And that is not a message that we're going to get outside of the worship experience and consulting God's word. 
We need to be reminded of that truth every week. And we in turn need to encourage others to experience that as well because it gives hope, it gives purpose, it gives meaning in a world that is so desperately in need of all of those things. When all we see around us is the dysfunction and the selfishness of this world, the evil pain and suffering, if you will, when we're reminded of the faithfulness and sovereignty of God, when we have the opportunity to express gratitude for the forgiveness of our sins and a hopeful future. Friend, why should we go into church with anything other than focus and anticipation for what God is doing and is going to do? So that's a word of encouragement as we try to worship in a distracting world. So friend, don't miss the opportunity to have a transformative worship experience. Don't walk into church all about yourself or distracted, or with the wrong intentions. Go into worship with the expectation that God is going to transform your life, that he's going to give you meaning and purpose, which will allow you to make a difference in the lives of others, who then can also be transformed in their spiritual life. So this week, in preparation for whatever church you're going to attend on Sunday, I have this question for you. Will you pray? First of all, pray for yourself. Pray that God is going to use that worship experience to transform your life. Second of all, who can you pray for that maybe that person needs to come with you? Will you commit to inviting someone and to praying for someone that they can seek that same life transformation? As we remember from chapter four, we need community, but also we need to seek God every week in our worship. Anything else, as King Solomon would say, would be considered foolish. Friend, we are out of time, and I'm so glad you could join me for today. Next week, we'll continue in our series in the book of Ecclesiastes. I look forward to that conversation. Thank you for joining me today, and I'll see you in our next episode of Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher, Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.